0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. We are back with Matt Stein when technology fails, also when disaster strikes. And, Matt, we were talking about the dirty bombs. And talk again about just how deadly they can be for the immediate vicinity. Well, the dirty bomb will not actually be directly deadly. The scare from that is that if you ingest some hot particles, then you'll get cancer somewhere down the road. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of a fear factor. In other words, outside of the actual explosion, killing people, say it blows up a block, a city block or something, you know, outside of that, it's more of the disruption to businesses, because who wants to live and work in an area where there's radioactive stuff sitting around, and it's not all been, you know, and they're going to have to go in with radiation suits and, and, and geiger counters and radiation meters and find the spots and try to decontaminate it. So it's much more the, the fear factor and the disruption than, than actually killing you. But if you happen and the fear's real though because if you happen to be that guy who sucked in a hot particle in his lungs and dies of lung cancer five years later, then it you know your life's over and, 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 and you were out of luck. So what you'd want to do there, is if you know the dirty bomb's gone off. One is, is you know, try, if you've got a HEPA filter in your house, keep it running and stay near it, and it will suck and clean all the air. And then when the dirt, you know, like a day or two later, take that HEPA filter and get rid of, you know, be very careful, use a suit that you throw away and, and pull the filter out and throw it out and bag it up and throw it out, because you don't want to, because it's going to be sucking all the particles in your room. Um, so, so there's things you can do, like drinking filtered water, breathing filtered air, etc., and... Then once things have settled down, like the last thing you want to do is go running around outside right after the dirty bomb's gone off, trying to get out of the area because then the chances of you being contaminated with something is significant. So it's laying low until it's blown out, and then getting out of the area with you and your family till it's had a long time to decontaminate. That's what you need to do. But chances of you actually dying from the dirty bomb are very slim. Whereas you know the the, the nuclear meltdown is another case. Like Chernobyl happened. And in long term, you know, short term, very few people died from Chernobyl. A couple hundred people. Long term, but long term, yeah. the epi- ep- 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 epidemiological—I always have trouble with that word—studies indicate that a million people died long term from from illnesses related to Chernobyl, Jeez. and three million people suffered long term illness. So. Three million people had things like Chernobyl AIDS, which is acquired immune from the, from the radiation, the immune deficiency. They had thyroid tumors. They had various cancers. Mm-hmm. And, and is it still ongoing? It's still ongoing. And there's still huge areas. And one of the terrible things that happened after Chernobyl is that the government said, okay, rather than taking all of the downwind produce and eggs and dairy products and meat and just destroying it, what the government did is said, well, we're going to just spread it all over the country and give everybody a dose. Oh, and so instead oh, of destroying that and in quarantine, Which is what they should that, have done. Which is what they should have done. They spread it around. So people just... So, so you know, how do you, how do you sue them and say, I'm sick and dying of cancer 10 years later? How do you prove it came from Chernobyl? You can't. can't. You can't prove yeah. that. And that's the problem with nuclear meltdowns is you can't prove anything... But the epidemiological studies look at the statistics of the downwind areas versus other parts of the world where there was no Chernobyl and said these, these cancers, these diseases, these upticks caused a million people to die early deaths and 3 million people to be sickened. And so that's the results from one Chernobyl. Now imagine that there was 10, 20, 30, 50 of those happening in the United States at the same time. That's a potential scenario from an EMP. Terrible scenario something that we need to protect against, and it's protectable to some extent. Um, with The government could provide EMP-hardened containers at each of our nuclear power plants. They could provide backup generating systems in each of those containers. They could provide backup fuel for a year's worth of fuel at each of the sites to keep the generators going. And and they could provide protection to our our huge transformers in the grid for about the price of a B-2 bomber, a single stealth bomber. We could prevent the end of the United States and really the end of the world as we know it in the event of an extreme solar event or an EMP terrorist attack. We couldn't prevent all the bad stuff from happening, but we could prevent the the end-of-the-world type stuff happening or the end of the world as we know it. The world will continue on. Uh, Humans might not. And certainly, uh, it might be a horrible existence for those humans that do, but we could prevent it from being that bad for the price of you know two or three billion dollars, which is a lot more money than you and I got. But as far as the government's concerned, you know, compared to like wars in Iraq or bailing out the banks on Wall Street when the economy collapsed, you know, that's that's chump change in my mind for a government to prevent the end of the world as we know it. And so far, they're talking about it but not doing it. Let's talk about the rule of threes. Okay, the rule of threes, that gives you an idea of what's important when, you know, when a crisis has happened, there's injuries or whatever, what's most important to deal with? So the first three is three three seconds without blood flow to the brain, and you pass out. You know, three minutes without oxygen. So basically that's saying like, hey, you got to keep the blood going. you got to keep the heart pumping. you got to keep that going. And, and if, if the heart's not pumping, you got to get that going real soon because things fail, like, really fast. Three minutes without oxygen, and you pass out. Like, you know, you, you can't breathe. You have no access to oxygen. you got three minutes, and you pass out. Three hours in extreme heat, extreme cold. Now, these are rough guidelines, of course. In you know, some cases it will be six hours, some cases two, but three hours without proper clothing or protection in extreme heat, it, it, you can start, like, ceasing to function, getting heat stroke, your brain's frying, or extreme cold, you, you start getting hypothermic. Now, of course, if you're 10 minutes in ice-cold water in the, in the Arctic, you know, like like when the Titanic went down, you know, you you, you, you could be hypothermic in 10 minutes, not three hours. Uh, three days without water, and people start to have kidney failure if they're having to be active. Now, Miners in a cave, underground, cool, they're not doing anything, they're just laying there, yeah, six, seven days, nine days, they might survive with no water. But most of us, if you got to be physically active, you have no water, three days without water, people can start failing. Now, Sonoran Desert could be three or four hours, but, you know, normal conditions, heat, work, three days. Three months without fo- three weeks without food. Most of us can survive three weeks three without Three weeks, food. but you have to be drinking water while you do you it. You have to. So water is really – so that rule of threes kind of gives you an idea of, like, what's most important. Three seconds without air, three minutes – I mean, three seconds without blood flow to the brain, three minutes without air, three hours without protection from extreme environment, you know, clothing, etc. Uh, three days without water, three weeks without food. So, so those are kind of your priorities, and that's for the rule of threes. And I, I just want to make one other – thing, note, is that the specific strategies for a dirty bomb, for a nuclear, surviving a nuclear detonation, or surviving a meltdown, they're very different strategies, and those are all in detail in my book, When Disaster Strikes. And so, you know, people want to know those strategies please pick up that book, When Disaster Strikes, because the specific strategies are laid out right there, and they're very different for each of the scenarios. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.